everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State morning news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Baltazar. And uh, how about the Cats, huh? What did they do something? I think they won. Actually, they're losing to Iowa State two to one right Okay, now. shut up. That that team doesn't <laughs> exist. But the K State football team ended up winning up against Texas Tech down in Lubbock, thirty-eight to twenty-one. Score doesn't really indicate how close it was for the majority of the game, but, you know, we're going to talk about the game more generally and then probably spend 20 minutes on the topic that everyone is currently debating on Twitter. So let's just talk about the game more generally first. Um, it's a good win. Like, it keeps our Big 12 championship hopes alive, though I wouldn't exactly still say it's likely. But, you know, you still control your own destiny, in a sense. If you win out, you're going to Arlington. And I think that that is, you know, this team played well with their backs to the wall that last year. They didn't play as, the defense played well pretty much the entire game. The only thing was a couple of fluky plays, which is going to happen whenever they throw the ball as much as they do, or as much as they did. But I, I think that this team... I think having their backs up against the wall kind of woke them up a little bit, like a kind of a shock to the system that they sort of needed. Yeah, and we've seen that from climbing teams before. Um, I think we even said that it's not at all unprecedented for a climbing team to go on the road to Lubbock after a really rough loss and (laughs) then turn their season around. So, you know, this isn't unprecedented at all. So... Uh, but I, I do think the manner in which uh, K-State was able to win the game was a bit unexpected. Uh, we still, it, it, it wasn't unusual for K-State to really kind of have a get-right game in Lubbock, uh, which is kind of weird that it's uh, Lubbock, because when I was a lot younger, K-State really struggled against Texas Tech, but now they've won, I believe, seven, seven straight 12 of the last 13. That is correct. Yeah, and so they've kind of Texas Tech's number for over a decade now. Yeah. So uh, we also got to see the massive playtime debut of Avery Johnson, and uh, before we talk about that more generally, I'll just I'll just read the two stat lines off here of the two quarterbacks. Uh, in terms of passing, Will Howard was six of nine, eighty-six yards with a long of forty-two. Avery Johnson was 8 of 9 for 77 yards with a long of 21. But where it sort of matters most is in the rushing game, where Avery was 13 for 90 with 5 touchdowns. Uh, Will was only 3 for 8, no touchdowns. Only registered, like, the one rush. Yeah. Uh, the The two others, I believe, were either tackles at the line or sacks. Yeah, I think he had a... One loss of eight on a sack, one gain of eight on a run, and then I think he had a no game. So it ended up coming out to a net of zero. Uh, although he even although he did gain yardage um, at various points, uh, and at times he um, showed some decent pocket awareness as well. Um, had a couple situations where I cannot believe he escaped uh, the pocket without getting sacked. The first, like yeah. one of the first plays to Ben Sinnott. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was thinking. But Will. Um, didn't turn the ball over uh, for the first time all season, and generally was fine. 
I think, in the action that we saw. Alright, time to rip the band-aid off. Uh, Normally we would save this for the very end, but I feel it's such an important topic that it sort of has to be mentioned at the beginning. This has caused a great deal of controversy within the K-State Twitter sphere. Uh, And it seems to even cross the usual lines of casual versus hardcore, because normally those are the the two that are at odds at one another. We seemingly have more people on both sides thinking that this should be Avery's team. I have not come... I, I slept on it. I personally have not come to a conclusion either way. And this isn't me trying to be like a dirty fence sitter who doesn't have an opinion. I understand both arguments. So before we sort of have like a roundtable discussion about this topic in particular and then move on to the rest of the game, hopefully avoiding this subject outside of this one moment, do you have anything that you want to say on top before we get into the pros and cons? Um, just that it's nice to have a QB debate where at least I think that there's two solid options. And uh, it's not like many issues of the past where it's, you know, you're really struggling with picking one. More often than not, when you have a QB debate or QB battle, it's, you have two guys that are just kind of average or worse. But here we have a Will Howard guy that I think is one of the main reasons we won a Big 12 title last year. Um, And then you have an Avery Johnson who uh, just made the front page of the Kansas City Star. So The star is born. Yes, indeed he was. And it's a... It's a nice position to be in. It's It's a nice position as a fan, but an unenviable one as a coaching staff. Yes, and... I, I think that it's going to be an interesting line to tread. Um, but I think the main issue is just going to be, I don't think the locker room will be an issue at all, based off what we've seen. Uh, well, based off everything we've heard, it was very, very supportive of Avery. And uh, Avery has reportedly been a really great teammate this whole season. So I don't think whoever gets picked is... Like the, yeah, yeah, the other one, yeah, the one that doesn't get picked, I should say, is gonna become a locker room cancer. I don't think that's even something that needs to uh, qualify. Oh, no. Yeah, like that's not something that needs to be discussed at all. It's just not gonna factor into it. It's gonna entirely come down to on the field performance, and I'm interested to see fan reaction as well. Although the coaches obviously don't really care about that. So, <laughs> yep. So, well, uh, it's going to be interesting because there are pros and cons to both. And I think especially right now, there's a lot of momentum behind Avery for very obvious reasons because he just had an incredible performance. I mean, five rushing touchdowns, a first player in FBS to do that all year, the first freshman to ever do it uh, in all of FBS history. You know, that's quality. That's elite play. And there's no way around that. But... That doesn't mean there aren't pros to playing well. 
as well. Uh, Will still has likely a more uh, concrete connection with guys on the field, especially Ben Sennett. Those two have really, really great chemistry. Uh, and Will has been around longer. He has more experience. Um, but again, it's tough to argue against Avery too, you know, and we're the biggest Will Howard fans on earth, perhaps. Maybe outside of his family. Yeah. Well, um, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, at the same time, even for us, we can look at this objectively and say that there's absolutely a world and it may be the one that we live in where Avery Johnson should be QB one. And, but there's still pros and cons to evaluate for both. And it's worth going over both to try and dissect this issue, figure out what the best option is, figure out what works for both, and maybe figure out a situation where both of them play. Because I think that's probably going to end up being the most likely outcome is we're going to see both of those guys down the stretch. Yeah. So, so let's just dive. We'll, we'll do one each where at a time, I mean. Pro for Will Howard and pro for Avery Johnson. The pro for Will Howard is, you mentioned it, is mostly playbook knowledge, as well as chemistry with with Ben Sennett. I think at this point, Will Howard has a better handle on the offense because he's been in the offense longer. Pro for Avery Johnson, almost exclusively, he's a more physical specimen than Will is. He's faster. He has a better arm if he's able to know the throws. So I don't know which one. Like, the problem is, is that every single time you bring a pro for the other, there's a pro for one. And it kind of just averages out to a neutral where you have to shrug your shoulders and say like, well, I both are good. <laughs> yeah. So do I get a pro or con? Or what, what am I We're doing to do? pros for both. Okay, pros for both. Um, a huge pro uh, for Will is that this has been his team all year. Uh, there's a, a ton of <coughs> bless you. Thank you. There's a ton of faith in him uh, with from the coaching staff, and we've seen Avery play great. But there's probably a reason that Will was playing over Avery. So I don't doubt the coaching staff's ability to nurture and develop quarterback talent. You know, I, I think that that is obvious at this point. They know what to do with quarterbacks. Uh, there's a reason that Kleiman has had several quarterbacks be drafted at this point. And I think all of them, I think, are still in the league right now. So uh, there, there's, there's precedent there for Kleiman knowing what to do with quarterbacks. And that decision-making... Uh, he leaned towards Will. Maybe it was out of loyalty, but maybe it was because he truly thought that he gave us the best chance of winning. Uh, so that's a, a pro in favor of Will, is that uh, uh, the staff went with him after having like six months or eight months with Avery. So uh, there's a potential pro for Will. And then a pro for Avery is that Despite being younger, despite probably not having as detailed a playbook knowledge as Will does, uh, he came in and played incredible. He, I mean, 90 yards and five touchdowns in your first significant playing time ever at the Division One ranks. 
I mean, this time last year, he was uh, slaying the ball around for Mays. And he's he looks comfortable. There were times on his touchdown runs, he looked like he was kind of bored. <laughs> and that's the thing, is that he's looked bored almost every yeah. time he's played. Uh, I said bored. I'll try and frame that a different way. Uh, comfortable. Confident. Yes, comfortable. I think that's the best way to put it. I like that. Because uh, some of his touchdown runs, he looked very content. He looked like he was having fun, uh, I think, was the big thing. I think that's a lot of times with a really talented player, that's a good way to tell, is that they look more like they're having fun than they're really trying really, really hard. And Avery looked like he was having a ton of fun playing. It, it did not look particularly stressful. At least he didn't give off uh, that feeling or that look. And he was very confident in himself and how he was performing. And he looked like he belonged. And I, I think that there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, and, of course, his explosiveness and everything plays into that as well. Uh, but, I mean, he, he looked like he belonged. And if you if you looked around, everybody was congratulating him the same way they would have been congratulating Will. It looked like, as a whole, nobody on the offense really skipped a beat or reacted any differently to having Avery on the field and they did Will. And Will was supportive of him. Yeah, Will was incredibly supportive of him. Avery was quoted after the game saying Will was the most supportive of him. And I, I do there's a lot of times where I wouldn't believe that with the quarterback. Even with K-State in the past, there's a lot of times I wouldn't have believed that. Like maybe the Jake Waters-Daniel Sams battle. I probably wouldn't have believed it as much. Um... But I, I do really believe that with Will. And I, I don't think it's a stretch at all uh, for how uh, um, we've seen Will act in the past and just how he's been as a person. But Avery's just been... Uh, Will and Avery's relationship seems uh, really positive, really interesting, and mutually beneficial for both of them. But Avery just stepping on the field and the offense not skipping a beat at all. Just shifting is is very notable i think so i'll i'll leave it at this if well two thoughts firstly if will is the announced starter i know people are gonna do it i'm kind of just crying in the rain here please do not make his life hell not again. He's been through it once, twice before. He doesn't deserve that happening to him again. Not after all he's given to the fans. Um, but that being said, if someone put a gun to my head and said I had to pick one of the quarterbacks, I love Will to death, and if this is the outcome, my heart genuinely breaks for him. Because he deserves better. But if someone put a gun to my head, I would say that this should be Avery Johnson's team. But I think there's a world where they both play and can both have a symbiotic relationship with one another rather than a parasitic one. Yeah, I I agree. I think this should be Avery's team. Uh, Of course, we love Will on this podcast, and we have since we started... But it's undeniable that Avery was just different. He was in a different gear than everyone else. Uh, he looked 
phenomenal as a runner. Uh, we've seen some of him as a passer, and it was hit and miss. Uh, there was a few throws even that he completed that could have been better, but he also had some really fantastic throws as well. So I'd love to see more of him as a passer. If he starts next week, I'd really like to see us incorporate uh, more passing for him, even though running is obviously very effective. Yeah, because the running game isn't sustainable no matter who the quarterback is because they need the receivers still need to separate. We'll talk about that. Yeah, but I, I do think that Avery's probably the guy at this point. Um, Will, I think, is going to go down as one of the all-time great stories in K-State history uh, for his... Uh, being thrust into the spotlight as a freshman and the fall, then the rise and really being one of, if not the main reasons that we win the big 12 in 2022 to being a really, uh, by at least some people reviled again or, uh, disliked, I should say. And he, uh, um, probably does deserve better but you know it's a competitive sport and Avery is he's better I think at least as a runner I I think there's no objective way to tackle that any other way Will obviously probably is further he is further along mentally uh in terms of maturity he's probably further along just because he's been around longer that's not a knock on Avery's maturity he seems very mature but you know Will's just different level in that regard but Avery's the more explosive playmaker and I think right now this offense needs a playmaker and Avery is that guy and you know last week we said we wanted to wait and see on Will and replacing him and I think we saw this week that it's it's Avery's time and again it makes me very sad like I said it makes me very sad for Will uh but that's just how it's going to be. So I think Avery can really galvanize this team, uh, really get the fan base interested, um, even more so than they already were, uh, but can turn heads outside of K-State as well. And I, I think that there's a lot of great positives that Avery Johnson could bring to the table. Yeah. So hopefully we can avoid talking about that for the rest of the episode. We kind of got all the thoughts out there. Uh, so now we're going into the game day grade segment where we talk about every single position group, including coordinators, giving them a grade from F to A+. F meaning they single-handedly lost us the game. A+, meaning they single-handedly won us the game. And uh, remember how I said we would be avoiding talking about the quarterback situation? Well, here we are because the first grade is quarterbacks. Hello, Maple. How are you today? Please get away from the microphone. Um, <laughs> but um, you could separate the quarterback grades into the two different quarterbacks. Um, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I, Connor, you saw my grades before this, and you saw that I had three question marks next to the quarterback. Um, Will had a good game. I don't care what anyone says, Will had a good game. You know, I, I tweeted a joke yesterday that I don't think many people realized was a joke, where whenever DJ had the false start, I said Avery would have simply willed DJ Gins to not false start there. People took it seriously. 
which I feel like is its own can of worms, but uh, Will didn't have a bad game. Avery just had a game for the ages. And because of that, I feel like the quarterbacks are worthy of an A+, by virtue of Avery Johnson scoring five touchdowns. <laughs> That's all I really got. <laughs> yeah, I uh, gave the, the quarterback room an A+. Majority of that is Avery for having an all-time performance that should be remembered forever, and I think will be, because uh, this was, I mean, this was the arrival, I think, is probably the best way to put it, and this is going to be, it's going to be one of those games that people talk about, like, 20 years from now, like, where were you when Avery Johnson came off the bench and had five rushing touchdowns? Uh, and he threw the ball decently well. He had a few passes that uh, he probably could add back, but I'm splitting hairs there. Like, he had one to fill that he didn't really lead him properly and ended up being, like, fourth and short instead of a first down. Why did Will Howard make Phil drop that pass? Well, he caught it. He just kind of stumbled out. <laughs> and uh, then Will was also pretty solid. He had a nice throw to Ben as well. He layered it pretty well. And then Ben, of course, got himself open like he... Uh, manages to do quite often but I mean it was Avery Johnson's day uh, when it's all said and done and he he played awesome he had five touchdowns he's in a very literal sense the reason we won he scored every point other than a Chris Tennant field goal uh, or he scored every most of the points I should say <laughs> uh, Avery was pretty incredible so a plus for the quarterbacks yep Running backs, I ended up giving uh, a B plus because I felt like there were some holes that, especially DJ. DJ didn't have a bad game, by the way. He had 53 yards on 12 attempts, which is 4.4 per carry. Not a bad day at all. Uh, Treshawn Ward had 118, never got tackled for a loss. Uh, there was just some times that I feel like the holes were being missed and there were yards left on the field. Plus the DJ false start. I know we won. And the fact that we won is going to stop me from, well, it's not going to stop me, but it's going to stop me from thinking about as much uh, some of the, the questionable moments, <laughs> uh, OPI in the back of the end zone. But I gave them a B plus because I felt like despite their good performance, they still could have done more and left a few yards on the field. Yeah, I gave them a very similar grade. I gave them an A minus. Uh, the reason I gave him an A- minus was just because I really, really liked what Treshawn Ward showed. And this is kind of uh, flashes of how Kleiman handled the running backs uh, in his first season in 2019, where uh, in 2019, James Gilbert and Jordan Brown would both uh, be getting series to start. Uh, and then whoever the high hand was, if there was one, uh, they would get the bulk of the carries going forward. And that's how that happened uh, in this game. DJ got DJ and Treshawn had similar amount of carries, but Treshawn was the closer here. He definitely got more carries down the stretch. Of course, Treshawn never lost yards, but something I didn't notice until just looking at the stats right now was his longest carry was 18 yards, and he had 15 for 118, which means he was just running very efficient and effective runs uh, with regularity. So he wouldn't have like 118 yards and had like one carry for like 80. And, and like one of his carries was like 82 yards and everything else was like short runs. Now, he was very consistently uh, gashing uh, the Texas Tech front six. How, three, they were out of 335. Yeah, they yeah. were out of 335. Yeah. So he, he was really good. 
and um, was looking like the Treshawn Ward that uh, we've been wanting all year. And uh, this was definitely his uh, his best game um, as a Wildcat. Only thing holding them back from doing much better was they didn't have touchdowns, which is not really their fault. Uh, that, that, that's Avery Johnson's fault for being good. Um, <laughs> Touchdown vulture Avery Johnson. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, which also Avery Johnson is now tied with Will Howard for the team lead in rushing touchdowns, which I think <laughs> makes him tied for the Big 12 lead for rushing touchdowns too. Yep. But sure does. Yeah, Treshawn, he was really great. And DJ was good, too. I mean, he wasn't fantastic, but he was solid. And he only ever lost two yards. But uh, tonight's game put Treshawn over 300... I should say, Saturday's game put, Tra- put Treshawn over 300 yards. He's at the 337. Uh, he's, he's just been really quality. Uh, and I'm happy that he's back to what seems to be full health, or at least close to it. Uh, he's when he's playing like this, K State's at its best. I think he pairs really well with Avery Johnson as well, uh, specifically. So we, if Avery ends up being the guy going forward, I think we'll see a lot more Treshawn. Yeah. Receivers, I'm going to tell you something right now. If we lost this game, the receivers would be getting an F. The fact that we didn't lose is the only reason the receivers are not getting an F. Um, and they're the number one concern with me on this entire team. Linebacker depth, probably number two. But the receivers are just straight up not good right now. Um, They're still not separating, and that is the number one reason. If the receivers were separating, A, I don't think the Will Howard discussion is even a discussion. Um, But if the receivers aren't separating, Avery Johnson is just a band-aid for the issue. Because you can't... This isn't... I love Avery Johnson. He does not have the build to be 2012 Colin Klein. He does not have the build to take those hits. Not yet. No. Yeah. Um, he is not a battering ram. No. And I really hope we don't use him as one. I don't think we will. Hopefully Colin Klein uh, has a desire to prevent anyone else from being used as a battering ram after he was grinded down to the bone. Yeah. But the only bright spot for me at receiver, Phil got four catches, you know. Somehow he's going to do that. J-Jax was fine. RJ only got seven snaps, but he got a catch. I think RJ's hurt again, uh, which is a shame. Uh, Keegan Johnson had one rush. He's probably still hurt. Jace Brown was the only receiver that I saw create more than like three yards of separation on his route. Which we predicted several months ago. Uh, I would go as far as to say we were probably the first people to actually predict this. Uh, Jace Brown is who he is, and that is going to be a consistently solid receiver. And at this point, Jace Brown, on that one route, showed more to me than a lot of the other receivers. (laughs) D-minus for the receivers, but Jace Brown, you get a good noodle sticker. (laughs) Yeah, I give him a D-minus as well. Um... Really disappointing for Keegan Johnson to have another game with no receptions. Uh, he had one rush, but who cares, I guess. <laughs> uh, Keegan is clearly a very athletic receiver, and there's, I think he still has a future potentially being good, but it's clear that he's just not quite ready yet, or he's still 
more hurt than he's been letting on. RJ had one catch and got absolutely clobbered after it, so he only got that one bit. Jaden had one reception, uh, and he showed some fight at the end to get across the first down marker, uh, but that was it. Yeah, like Ace said, Jace Brown was maybe the most encouraging of the receivers. He didn't play a ton of snaps, but he had a nice catch, a 21-yard gain uh, from Avery. And, I, I'm yeah, Phil had four catches for 47 yards, but our starting three need to be getting more separation and doing more. And they have been doing. We have a scene for both quarterbacks, Avery and Will, where they have plenty of time, they extend the play, and just nobody gets open. And I, I think that's what we're really getting at when we say we can't just have our offense be Avery running the ball. Probably. Probably, yeah. <laughs> maybe he ends up maybe he ends up being fine. And we just become a QB power offense entirely, and it works. But I would prefer we have a passing element to our offense, and <laughs> we are not particularly threatening as a passing attack whatsoever. No. Um, Ben Sennett had a nice game, but he's not a wide receiver, so D minus. Which, speaking of Ben Sennett, I actually gave Titans fullbacks an A uh, for Ben Sennett's performance and also the fact that he killed multiple people on blocks after we spent several, like about a month, complaining about Ben Sennett's blocking. Apparently, he heard us because he killed like three people last night. Uh, I gave them an A. I gave basically Ben Sennett an A. Yeah, I did the same thing. He had a. Six catches for 72 yards. He was reliable as uh, we expect him to be. Six catches is his most on the year. He had a 42-yard reception as well, where he uh, showed glimpses of his old bowling ball ways. Uh, he, he played really well, and on one of Avery's uh, touchdown rushes, he yeah destroyed two human beings who did nothing wrong other than get in his way. And Ben, yeah, he's taking a step as a run blocker because uh, early in the season he was he was really bad at run blocking he had seemingly lost a step from what he had once been as a run blocker but he's really recovered well uh, in that sense additionally it's worth noting that it seems like Garrett Oakley has usurped uh, Will Swanson fully as being tight end too uh, which I'm here for <laughs> and that's an odd dig for Will Swanson that's a, I think Garrett Oakley is the truth and we've been thinking Garrett Oakley has been the truth we have many bad takes like Austin Romain uh, being like third to last in our rankings or Jack Fabris being second to last being fair Austin Romain didn't post a senior film that was Asher, that was Asher Tomaszewski we had, we had no Romain did it too Romain and Tomaszewski neither of them posted their senior film regardless we no we still missed yeah we still missed <laughs> Uh, we missed on Fabris. We missed on Jacob Parrish. Uh, I missed on BJ Payne. Uh, one guy that we are, I, th- I think that we're probably going to end up being right on is Garrett Oakley, where he was a two star. And, you know, we've, we've been on the Garrett Oakley hype train for a few years now. And so he's now playing significant snaps. We're just waiting for him to have his breakout game, really, where he's playing a lot. Anytime we go 22 or 12. He's the he's tight end too for the most part. Swanson's still getting some run, but Oakley's the guy going forward. I think Swanson's mostly the blocker. Yeah, but Oakley, 
really, really happy to see him on the field a lot. He's just a monster athlete for his size. He looks a lot bigger as well because he was pretty slight. He was basically a receiver when he was in high school. Yeah. Uh, like he was barely 200 pounds, uh, 210 maybe. It's kind of like a Will Ancia where he's really slight for his frame. Mm-hmm. But he's really filled out, and he looks the part of a tight end now. He's got really long arms. Uh, kind of going on a side rant here, I guess. But tight ends, impressive. Nice night for them. Yeah. Next up is the offensive line, who I thought actually had a pretty solid day. Uh, not living up to the hype of the preseason, but I think that ship has sailed. I gave them a B. Because uh, there were a few times, especially with Will in, where they just couldn't hold back whenever Tech was uh, pinning their ears back for a pass rush. And, and you know, that's going to happen to a lot of offensive lines, but they are sort of held to a different standard for me. As soon as Avery entered the game, they sort of got... I think what this line is built to do is they're meant to be a pin-and-pull line, where Gilly is almost certainly meant... Because that's kind of Gilly's skill set. Uh, if he's the pin blocker on a pin and pull, he just needs to get in their way. And if he's the pull, he can just dive at their ankles, a la Noah Johnson. <laughs> um, but I think that's where this line is at their best, and we did a lot of that with Avery in the game. Like the quarterback rap read we had, and then uh, the lead option. Like it, the quarterback running game with AJ is a beautiful thing to watch schematically. Uh, I'm really excited to see KSU fans. By the way, shout out KSU underscore fan. Uh, does great work. I'm really excited to see his scheme breakdown of it. But eh, I, I felt like they had a solid enough game to where they get a B. I give them a B plus. Uh, they were, again, kind of similar to last year. And at points this year, uh, they seem to get better as the game goes on. Which, I'm not sure why that is. Maybe they're just really well conditioned. I think that's probably the case. Yeah. But they've been... They they were quality, I thought. Uh, this was one of their better games. Not their best game, but one of their better games on the year. Uh, Carver, um, you know, had a very rough start to the year. We all know that. But he's been, uh, at the very least, not, not as noticeably bad. Which is a big step. And at times, he's even looked pretty good. Uh, Cooper BB's Cooper BB. Um, Panzer, I think, has been quietly pretty decent this year. Uh, Poitier's been solid at times in his uh, road to recovery. KT Leviston, still a quality left tackle. Uh, really kind of came out of nowhere last year and has continued to be pretty decent this year. And then BB's BB. Yeah, BB's BB. Um, so there's a lot to like about them. At times, they weren't great. Uh, had some issues um, earlier and run blocking, although some of it may have been DJ trying to bounce it outside a little too much, uh, which I guess we should have talked about when we were talking about running backs. But um, all in all, solid night for the uh, offensive line. I, I thought that they played pretty well. So they got a B plus. Yep. Now onto the defensive side of the ball with defensive linemen. They don't register much in the way of sacks. In fact, there are only two sacks on the day, one being credited to Duke and the other to Austin Romaine. That doesn't tell the full story. Uh, I think PFF tracked us as having 26 pressures. Uh, <laughs> that is making the quarterback's life hell. <laughs> like, that—that that is truly... Like, they, they are in hell for a minute. 
Um, the defensive line, I felt, had a really good game, both in terms of how they were sort of controlling the run game outside of that one, you know, fluky gain to Taj Brooks. I felt like we contained him really well. Defensive line was also getting consistent pressure, getting Baron Morton or Jake Strong off their spot. I, I gave the defensive line an A. I was really impressed with their performance. I gave the defensive line an A-. minus. I liked a lot of what they did. The only thing is that, at times, it seems like more and more as the season has gone on that our uh, defensive line rushes have been getting stonewalled a bit more, uh, especially on the edge. Uh, it seems like we've been struggling to really move anyone anywhere. Uh, so that's been a little frustrating, but some of that may just be fatigue. Um, they struggled a little bit at times in uh, run defense, but we knew that Taj Brooks was a fantastic running back, and we're just kind of lucky they didn't use him more. Uh, but, I mean, 22 pressure speaks for itself. Uh, Khalid Duke had a sack. Uh, which he's, I don't know what his total is on the year. It's probably like four and a half or five and a half, I think, at this point. But he's, it's been a little bit more unusual for K-State defensive ends as of recent years, where he's been more a consistent uh, growth and uh, improvement on the year. He's got five sacks uh, total this season. Uh, But, yeah, defensive line's been solid. Uh, could use a little work on tackling at times. Wasn't the best tackling night uh, as a whole for the defense, but still, they were pretty good. A minus. Yep. Uh, linebackers. Speaking of having an up and down day, because uh, you'd get splash plays from Austin Romaine, who we didn't know was playing through a broken wrist. <laughs> um, you get splash plays from Austin Romaine and. Austin Moore didn't have his best day tackling, and I think he would tell you that. But all in all, Dez had a quietly solid game. That's how I would sort of describe the linebacking performance was. Outside of tackling, it was quietly solid. I ended up giving them a B plus because I felt like they could have done more in coverage and they could have done a lot more in terms of tackling. But all in all, they still ended up limiting a pretty explosive back and also where <laughs> Clenderman it was such a jerk move to keep calling spark against the true freshman quarterback when you're up three scores <laughs> that's like you put him in Stalingrad for a moment that was not necessary <laughs> yeah I give the linebackers a B um tackling was not great so I nearly gave them a B minus but I went with a B still uh, just as a little bit of grace given just uh, the lack of depth la- later in the game. And just, uh, I mean, it's been, they, they've been the most injured position group by far uh, this year. They've lost a lot. Uh, Remain going down at the end of the game. Hopefully he is fine because uh, we, we definitely need him. Uh, but yeah, the tackling's just been, uh, it was a little suspect against Texas Tech. Uh, so that's going to need to get uh, worked out. Uh, but, I mean, losing Clifton for the second half, uh, losing Remain near the end of the game, uh, that, that put us in a precarious spot. And so we're uh, we're going to have to be really careful with our linebacker depth going forward. Um, 
unsung uh, player that I think did pretty well was uh, Bo Palmer. Um, Kobe Savage in the post game said that the reason he got his first interception was Bo Palmer uh, for playing good coverage and forcing a high throw. So uh, shout out Bo Palmer uh, via Kobe Savage, but (laughs) by way of him. So it's a fairly solid night for the linebackers, which is weird to say because tech had 480 yards of offense on like 80 plays so it was a uh, a lot of yardage a lot of raw yardage but you hold them to 21 points should have been probably 17 because of the uncalled offensive pass interference but what are you gonna do i mean we still won by 17 so can't complain too much yeah yep uh in terms of defensive backs that is the last group there Outside, well, last position group that we do coordinators, obviously, but up and down uh, is how I would describe it. Jacob Parrish got really unlucky. Unlucky. He developed Keenan Garber syndrome, where he's in the right position. He's just kind of getting screwed over by either soft PI calls, legitimate PI calls, or just slightly overrunning the play. Like he's in position. Parrish didn't have a bad game. Keenan. God, watching him play gives me nightmares, but he's still in the right position, so I can't complain much. Um, The only complaints are really those back shoulder PI balls. Safeties had probably their best game on the year. Um, Kobe with two picks. Siegel ended up getting a PI ball, but was really damn good the rest of the game. Uh, VJ getting his first pick, a one-handed grab, by the way. Um, so the safeties had a really good game. Corners had a really solid game. It's just the unlucky parts that I couldn't give them an A, so I gave them a B plus. Yeah, I gave them a B plus as well. Um, really liked what the safeties did. Uh, Siegel had a, I think he had a tackle for loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he did on a screen. Yeah, he's been really, really good, uh, this year. Uh, yeah, Parrish, bit of a rough day, uh, but some of it is just getting unlucky, like you said. Um, Garber, I thought, was solid enough. Uh, we saw a little bit of Jordan Wright at corner as well. Uh, we s- Apparently, Daniel Cobbs played. I didn't notice him. <laughs> um, but beyond that, of course, the starting line at uh, safety, Kobe Savage, VJ Payne, and uh, Siegel. They were really good. And uh, Kobe, hopefully that was a return to form. He had some solid tackles in the backfield. Um, and... Uh, um, was running around the field kind of like he did last year, uh, looking more comfortable than he had in a while. So hopefully that's a sign of things that come from Kobe Savage. Uh, but, of course, VJ had that great pick. Kobe had two. Siegel, uh, he had that PI ball. It was kind of soft, but it is what it is. Uh, so there you had a B plus. Not too bad. Yep. Klein, this is another one that was hard for me. Um I saw him run a bubble with Avery. I saw him run a speed out also with Avery. Uh, Connor, you weren't you weren't here to witness my reaction to that, but I have a feeling you either would have agreed with me. You know exactly what my reaction. You don't need to be there yeah. to know what my reaction was. <laughs> but the play calling, it's so hard at this point because Cla- I, we don't have access to the All-22. Someday. Um, that was totally unnecessary, by the way. But 
I don't know how much of it is on play calling anymore. Because, like, you can scheme guys open, but, you know, when that fails, they still have to put onus on themselves. That being said, it's almost an irrelevant question because, holy God, the QB running game he schemed up with Avery was so ridiculously good and creative. It balanced out to a B plus, but there was a time in the first half of this game where I sort of preemptively did the grades and Klein was sitting there with an F again. And he redeemed himself by virtue of Avery Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I, I gave him a B. Uh, I thought there were a few play calls that were really weird um, at times in the game. Uh, I uh, was also equally concerned for a bit. Uh, I, there were some things he was doing I was a little confused about, but... Uh, all in all, it ended up work. He ended up kind of adjusting. He seemed a bit more call, a bit more comfortable calling plays uh, with QB run. Maybe that's from his experience, so he knows what to do there. But uh, he did pretty well uh, by the end of the game. He uh, was able to identify that hey, this Avery Johnson guy is running pretty well. Let's continue to do that until they stop us. And they decided not to stop us. Uh, that was a big reason that Kleiman said that Avery played pretty much the entire second half, uh, which was uh, um, that Tech um, was just not lining up to stop the QB run. So they That's just, the same thing that happened to them last year against Adrian. <laughs> yeah, so they just decided to keep going and keep doing it. And so I guess at this rate, as long as McGuire's there, we should just run QB power all game against them. Uh, so Klein gets a B. Um, he adjusted really well in this game. Uh, which was uh, something that we had been complaining about, was that the adjustments had been lacking, but he adjusted pretty well in this game. I, you know what my reaction was. But anyway, uh, now it's Klanderman. This one's simple. Uh, a lot of the big plays were bad luck. I don't feel like Klanderman put any of his players in a bad position like he has done in the past few weeks. I gave him an A. Um, genuinely, and this this is not a joke, uh, if he if he didn't call Spark, like, basically every single play, which, if you don't know what Spark is, we, we keep referencing it, and we, I don't think we've ever said what it is. It's K-State's all-out blitz. It's their cover zero. Um, if he wouldn't have called Spark so many times, A, I don't think we give up one of those touchdowns, but B, it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of mean. It was kind of mean to do that. I gave him an A for it, but, like, that was still really mean. I gave him a B plus. Um, I think run defense, all things considered, was fine. Uh, Taj Brooks did what he did, and we knew that was going to happen. Uh, and frankly, we held Taj Brooks to less than I thought that we were going to give up. So that's a success. Um, I was um, frustrated at times with some of the um, past defense, but again, some of it was just unluckiness. So there's not much to uh, to do there. Uh, just would like to have guys be in positions to really finish off uh, the pressures a little bit more. It seemed like there were a lot of times that we were really, really, really close. Like, we were blowing up Baron Morton in the uh, first half multiple times. Uh, I think we blew up Jake Strong a few times as well. Uh, So the blitzes were getting there, but they were just kind of slow developing at times and just weren't getting there quite fast enough. So uh, I, I didn't give him an A, 
Um, although some of that is more on performance than him. He's still, you know, he calls the plays, but he also coaches them all week. So I didn't quite give him an A for that reason because I think he can do better. We've seen him do better, Um, but he still was good. He was still good in this game. Yep. So that is game day grades. Now we can talk about MVPs. (laughs) Gee, I wonder who the offensive MVP is. Yeah, I, I won't even make a joke about it. Like it's that's pretending it's someone else. It's Avery Johnson. It's Avery Johnson. Yeah, it's. I mean, when you when you score all of the touchdowns for an offense in a game, and you, you came off the bench and you're a true freshman quarterback, you get to be MVP. Yeah. I, I don't make the rules. So I, I don't make the rules, but I enforce them. Yes. Defense. I feel like there's a there are a couple arguments. I feel like the obvious one is um, Kobe Savage for the two picks. You can pick Kobe. Um, I think Siegel honestly had a top-to-down better game because he only got beat once, and that was the P.I. ball. But outside of that, he had a really solid game. This is the Siegel that I thought we were getting, that we thought I would have gotten at the very beginning of the season. Yeah. Uh, And that's what we've been getting recently. I think the MU game woke him up. (laughs) Yeah, we've been talking about him the last uh, few weeks as having really stepped up, and that's continuing even now. And I think I'm... We, we expressed a little doubt uh, to Kleiman earlier this week saying that he thought Siegel was playing like one of the best in the conference, but I think that's actually true now. I think that he's played like that at that level three consecutive weeks now and been really, really happy with Siegel. Um, I won't pick him, though. Um, I, I want in my heart to choose VJ Payne for his first career pick. But I can't quite do it just because of Kobe Savage having two picks, three if you want to look at it that way, I <laughs> guess. Um, but, I mean, yeah, Kobe was awesome uh, in this game. Uh, he, he looked like his old self. This was his best game on the year. It's not even close, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, two picks. So, great game for Kobe. Uh, have to go with him. VJ, I guess, gets an honorable mention there. But, All three safeties are mentioned yeah. in some way in the MVPs. Indeed. And we also need to give shout-outs to uh, Seth Porter on special oh, teams. Yeah. He was awesome. Uh, he had multiple great kick coverage tackles. Uh, he stopped a ball at the one-yard line uh, on a punt from Bloomer. Oh, speaking of Bloomer, he was awesome as well. He had five punts, and all of them were inside the 20. So... Special teams took a big step this week. Tennant made his field goal and all of his extra points as well. Uh, I think we sent most of our... We had a, quite a few touchbacks for kickoffs, but when we didn't, they were taking it out deep. And uh, Seth Porter was there. Yeah, and Seth Porter was there. So special teams was... They, they were massive this week. They, they did a really good job, and uh, they deserve some uh, credit. Even though we don't do special teams MVP. They, as a whole, deserve a big shout-out. Yeah. We can make an exception this week for Seth Porter. Mm-hmm. The first, the inaugural special teams MVP, Seth Porter. So now we get into the general takeaways. And mentioned that at the top, everything is still in front of us. If you want to be very technical, we control our own destiny until we lose again. If we lose again. Um, and I feel like the fact that everything is still in front of us, but there's such a low margin of error... I think that that's where Kleiman sort of thrives <laughs> as a coach, it, which is so strange given his background as the hunted in FCS. 
where he was like he North Dakota State very rarely had their backs to the wall, but at FBS at least at K State he seemed that's when they've seemingly played their best football, uh, with the exception of twenty one Texas. I don't want to talk about it, but <laughs> yeah, I, everything's still in front of us. Yeah, which is so weird to think about, but I mean it's the same thing as last year where uh, you drop a game in non-conference that you uh, were really expecting to win. Uh, you um, drop a conference game on the road to a team, well, this year, that has ended up actually looking better than I think we were giving them credit for. Uh, they're, Oklahoma State's out there pulling a 2021 right now. God, but, I hope not. But I hope... Uh, but this Texas Tech game was, in effect, a pseudo-elimination game, I think, for Arlington. Uh, it was two teams that were in desperate need of a win, and K-State, uh, they... Wanted it more uh, that particular night, at least. They uh, really left everything on the field. They played really well. They played with emotion, and they they were really good. And so that leaves the door for Arlington open. We we made it last year with two losses in conference. So uh, we could, in theory, suffer another loss. I don't think it'll work like that this year, but. Uh, we we are still very much in the Arlington race right now. Yeah. Um. Next up, shout out the de- the defense has settled in. Um, after a few performances where they were just kind of okay, second half defense has gone crazy every single game though. The defense seems to be settling into who they are in terms of identity. Um. Corners have especially settled in, despite the fact that Keenan Garber still scares me. Every single time he's out there, he still terrifies me. Uh, Will Lee hopefully will come back soon, and I won't be scared anymore. Safeties especially have settled in. Austin Romaine has proven that he's like mature beyond his years at that linebacker position. Dez stepping in, and although the defensive line has been somewhat quiet outside of Khalid Duke, uh, and sh- minor shout out to uh, Brendan Mott. I, I feel like the defense is sort of settling into what they are and who their what their identity is going to be, and that is a team that if you're going to beat, you need to beat through explosive plays. And the better and better they get at limiting those explosive plays, it truly I that is the only weakness to this defense as it stands right now is explosiveness. Especially if like the showing we get against Tech is to is to show. Yeah, uh, defense was really good. Um, there's, of course, early in the year they really struggled. Uh, they did not look uh, up to expectation, but they they've been playing pretty well the last uh, couple of weeks because. Uh, Last week against Oklahoma State, even though everybody was angry, I uh, still think the defense was really good. They played better against uh, UCF um, a few weeks ago at this point. But they've, they've been doing well. And they, they played well against a good Texas Tech offense. So, they deserve a ton of credit. I can't say much that you didn't say. Um, but... Yeah, the defense, they've they've really stepped up. Yeah. Last but not least, receivers are still a cause of concern. 
But Jace Brown showed flash. He showed a flash. Yes. Uh, the receivers have really regressed uh, since uh, non-conference play. Uh, Keegan Johnson, we badly need him to have a breakout game. Uh, even just like a semi breakout game, like if you can just eclipse like forty receiving yards, like which is a very low standard. It's a low bar. But we really need someone in the receiver room to step up right now. And if it's not going to be one of the starters, then why not have it be Jace Brown or a guy like Trace Bybee? Uh, I think that we uh, very badly need one of those guys to step up and uh, uh, really. Um, push the older guys because those younger guys are still hungry because they need to make a name for themselves but it seems right now that the starters uh they're just not finding ways to get separation they're they haven't been super impressive for the most part uh the last few weeks and uh we've seen at times all of them have good games this year phil's had a couple of good games Jaden was on fire to start the year um rj was really great the first game uh we we just need one of them to really step up again. Yeah. So next up, the next game is TCU in Manhattan, a nighttime kickoff against uh, the old rivals from last year. Um, also, I know I will mention this on the episode where we cover TCU. There is nearly no part of TCU that we are not familiar with, except like the quarterback and their guard. <laughs> We have seen every single skill player before, but most of them not for TCU. But we'll talk about that on the actual episode. Do you have any final thoughts about the Texas Tech game? It's really nice to have a win to talk about. I'm really sad that the Twitter schism has already begun, and that'll be my final thoughts. Very well. But thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. If you want to follow our contact the show, you can follow us just about anywhere at Aggieville Acats. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. And if you want to support us or follow us on a more personal note, I'm at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store. Link in the podcast description in our Twitter bio. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats. <laughs>